Hello and welcome to the Evil Lawyer's Guide to Life. I am Jay Lucas, the Evil Lawyer. And today's show is how to be a hoe and get away with it too. As usual, I have to Mirandize you. This show is intended for entertainment purposes only. Anything you hear on this show is just a joke and it's not real. And as Tony Montana said, I always lie even when I tell the truth. Or maybe it was the other way around. Anyway, this is theater. So... It's not legal advice, and anyone I'm talking about today doesn't really exist. I made all this up in my head. Yeah, I did, for real. <clears throat> I made it even be a lawyer, or maybe I am. But today's show, How to Be a Hoe and Get Away With It. You can find us on Facebook at Evil Lawyers Guide, on the web at evillawyersguide.com, and on Twitter at evillawguide.com. And a warning on Twitter, I never tweet. So if you go to the Twitter and it looks dead, it's because I never use it. But I Facebook the shit out of Facebook. So at Evil Lawyers Guide on Facebook, or like I said on, on the web at evillawyersguide.com. Or you can call me at 844-EVIL-LAW. How to be a hoe and get away with it. Over my career, I have represented a lot of escorts and a lot of other kinds of hoes, but I'm probably going to talk more about the escorts because they're just so much more interesting. Since this is how to be a hoe, and we already did how to get away with murder, and we did how to get away with a DWI part one and two, you guys should listen to those, uh, especially part one of how to get away with the DWI. One of you should have listened to it already. Now nah, it's too late. That being said, being a hoe, uh, Texas, and I'm going to talk about Texas law, but I'm going to talk about hoes all over the place. Texas law is if you are selling sex for money, that's prostitution. If you're buying sex for money, that's prostitution. So used to have guys come in the office, and remember this is all made up and purely theoretical and hypothetical, but I had guys come into the office and they're like, I got a prostitution case. I'm not a prostitute. Well, did you try to buy sex from somebody? Yeah. Did she turn out to be a cop? Uh-huh. Okay, well, the, the law is written, whether you're buying it or selling it, you're charged under the same statute. And we're not talking about statutory rape. We're talking about uh, the statute on prostitution. Statutory rape is different. Anyone who rapes a statute deserves whatever they get. Rim shot. Where's my rim shot? I got to get a new producer. Anyway, if you offer to sell sex for something. It doesn't even have to be cash. It could be crack if you're a crack hoe. It could be a sandwich if you're what they called in New Orleans a food hooker. But if you offer to trade poon for product then or money, you a hoe and you can get arrested for prostitution. If you are the offer E offer or offer E. If you're the offer E, then you can get arrested for prostitution. Also, uh, used to have some property in a kind of, shall we say, soon-to-be gentrified part of town. General, um, and I would go by and check on it every now and then just to make sure it was still there, not a smoking hole in the ground or been turned into a meth lab or whatever. And it was on a highway near an overpass that had some, like, run-down crack hotels on each side. And so there was always 
hose walking across the overpass. They would walk from like one hotel to the next, and there was a little gas station where they'd get like a big gulp. There's a joke there. Uh, but anyway, so one day I, w- I drove over the property and all the hoes were good looking. You know, usually they looked like faces of meth. And I, I don't mean like the first couple of pictures. I'm talking about the last couple of pictures. And this day all the hoes were good looking. And so I got home and I was telling my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, man, I went over the property and all the hoes walking back and forth across the highway were good looking today. And she was giving me a hard time. Why are you looking at the hoes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. They're just interesting. You know, if I was at the zoo, I would look at the animals. And we turn on the news and they run a reverse sting operation. Those good looking hoes were all cops in hoe disguise. So if you're looking for a cheap hoe and she has all of her teeth, she's a cop. And I'm not saying that cops, there's some hot cops, but you don't want to meet them in that way because then you will be meeting someone like me and a bail bondsman and you will no longer be meeting all of your money because you will have to spend it 844-EVIL-LAW. If you need an attorney or if you need a referral for an attorney, I'd be happy to help you out. So back to the hose. Uh, Texas also has an an interesting law called manifestation for the purposes of prostitution. Now, that's also a misdemeanor. It's like a ticket. It's a Class C misdemeanor. And that basically means walking around, acting, and looking like a hoe. And uh, I had a funny instance. One time I was at criminal court, and this chick had a manifestation ticket and she didn't know what it was so she asked me what is manifestation for the purposes of prostitution and I said it's walking around looking like a hoe and that broke up the entire line that she was in I got more laughs than I usually got when I used to do stand-up comedy so that taught me a valuable lesson I should do stand-up comedy at the jail better audience and they they can't leave anyways uh back to being a hoe uh, some hoes have pimps, some hoes are independent. Uh, the ones that I'm going to talk about mostly on this show, the theoretical non-existent hoes that I just made up for this show, <clears throat> were independents. But I did have some clients who were pimps, and the women that worked for them were more of the crack hoe, street walking, hooker variety, and they got arrested all the time for everything. Stealing a weave, beating some chick's ass over a weave. There's always a weave involved. Yanking someone's weave off their head. Uh, Plus getting arrested for prostitution and getting arrested for drugs and getting arrested for walking down the street, literally smoking crack in the middle of the day, two blocks from the police station. But that was a whole different ballgame. That was basically I was hired by their management to uh, get them out of jail and, uh, you know, handle their cases. Uh, I didn't have a lot of dealings with these train wrecks. It usually went to somebody who worked for me. Uh, They would would do it. But uh, the independent escorts that I represented were some fascinating women, and some of them became long-term clients and some of them became friends and most of them are retired now but there's always more where they came from the amount of money you know the street hoe the crack hoe uh, you know they get five ten twenty dollars you know to do whatever the escorts I represented were 
bringing down anywhere between a thousand dollars per appointment, which an appointment might take an hour at the most. So there's a thousand dollars an hour uh, to fifteen thousand dollars a night to one of them who was paid a million dollars for an extended uh, length of time with a very wealthy Middle Eastern man. So we're talking about some serious cash here. And as a general rule, with the exception of two of them who did get busted for prostitution, they hired me for other things. They hired me for uh, representation on business deals, legitimate business deals, not whole business deals. They hired me uh, to look at contracts. They hired me, you know, when they were buying real estate. They hired me when they were buying shopping malls. We're talking about women who are making high six, low seven figure incomes for working about 10 or 15 hours a week. And you can wrap your head around that for a minute. I'm not going to go into the fact that most of them were big alcoholics and had a lot of psychological problems and there were a couple of suicides. This is a horrible business to get in. And this is going to be my one disclaimer about the horrible part. You don't want to be in this business. But if you do, here's a theoretical, hypothetical, and completely made up way that it works. If you're an escort, uh, let me get back to the, the ones that I theoretically know. Yeah, there's some tens and there's some nines. There were a few who were miss something and others. Um, one of them, actually two of them were miss certain countries. So there were some beautiful women in this group. And uh, I know when I would go hang out with them at lunch or for drinks, you know, it'd be like eight or 10 of them and me. And we'd be at a, a nice restaurant or a nice bar, and they would turn heads, man. I mean, guys would be like, I'd go to the bathroom, and like three guys would follow me in there wanting to know who the hell I was and who those women were. But the majority of them were average. I mean, they stayed in good shape. You know, they were, I mean, one was, a, maybe she was a seven, and she had a house in Malibu and a house in Vegas and a house in Spain, all paid for. Uh, she was pulling down easily over a million dollars a year. She's out of the business now. Uh, a couple of them that got out of the business wrote books. One of them's got a movie coming out. I'm representing her on that. Uh, we're talking about big money, big business, and, you know, hoes make money. So if you're an escort, or if you decide to be an escort, you shouldn't decide to be an escort. But if you do anyway, where are you going to get your clients? Well, if you go hang around hotel bars and fancy hotels, uh, which whenever I travel, I always stay in nice places. And I get proposition usually two or three times because I'm sitting there by myself. And if she'll talk to me, then, you know, we end up talking about the business because I've represented so many escorts. And sometimes I might walk out of there with the client, but she never does. You don't want to do that though. There, there's too much risk. And some of these Women have been at it for so long. They're savvy enough. They they know the bartender. The bartender knows the guys who are sitting in there. I mean, there's a whole kind of informal screening process that goes on, and they rarely get arrested, but that's probably their most exposure to arrest is if they're doing the hotel bar trip. I would recommend against it. One of the girls I've represented uh, got busted in a hotel bar in Vegas, 
prostitution is not legal in Vegas. And everybody thinks it is. It's not. It's legal in Reno. It's legal in other parts of Nevada. It is not legal in Vegas. And being an escort is the same thing as being a prostitute. It's a general rule. There's almost always sex involved. I, I had... You, you know these people for years, and you talk to them a lot, and you have drinks with them, you have lunch with them, you're friends with them, and they tell you the stories about, yeah, you know, this guy gives me this amount of money, but I don't have to F him, and, or maybe I have to, but, you know, it's like every few months or whatever, or he's too old to get it up anymore or whatever. But generally, even with those situations, sooner or later you're getting old man balls in your face, and, hey, if that's, you know, something you can tolerate for the income, that's fine. There's also the, I said I wasn't going to talk about the dark side, but there's also the whole like gangbang, rape, drugged out client nightmares that do happen. Um, and the cops rarely get called because this is an illegal business. If you're a drug dealer and the other drug dealer steals your dope, you're not going to call the police, are you? Well, there you go. So where do they get their clients? Well, there's these internet services that screen people who want to hire a prostitute, and they also screen prostitutes to make sure that neither one of them are law enforcement. I'm not going to name them, but there's several, and that's where a lot of them, when they start out, get their get their business, or they get it off referrals, uh, meaning that if you're going to hire girl A, you need girl B and C to vouch for you. So that's, that's part of it. Uh, a lot of them get them through, they used to have these giant, just amazing parties. And, you know, they'd have them in Dallas. The ones in Dallas were kind of small, but the big ones were in Miami and New York and Las Vegas and L.A. They would rent out a ballroom in the nicest hotel in town, like the Waldorf or somewhere, and they would have these giant parties with their clients, and the clients could bring a couple of friends. So those friends turn into new clients. And the parties, you know, they were they were catered. They were top shelf alcohol. Everything was top shelf. Everybody was dressed nice. You would think you walked into an Oscar party, but it was a a hoe party. So that was another way they got their clients. A lot of them, not so many of the high end, but some of the middle end girls were also strippers, and they got their clients at the club. Uh, here's an interesting exercise for all you guys listening or some of you women. If you want to know if strippers are also hookers, go to the nicest strip club in your town. Uh, if you're in my town, pick one because there's two or three at between 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning when they turn the night shift loose and watch what comes to pick up these women and then tell me that those guys aren't pimps. I'll wait, because <laughs> they are. I mean, not all of them, but, you know, I, I'm not talking necessarily purple hats and driving a, a stretch Benz limo, but there is one in mind that wears a purple hat and drives a stretch Benz limo. Hey, if you're still out there, man, it was nice being your lawyer. Uh, so a lot of them pick them up through legal, sexually oriented businesses like being a stripper. A lot of them are massage therapists. I know I'm going to get a lot of grief for that. I am not saying that all massage therapists are hookers. What I am saying is that some hookers are massage therapists 
And not only do they get their clients through getting to know people a little bit through massages, and then they're like, oh, by the way, you know, if you want a little something extra, they also use the massage business to process their money. I'm not going to use the L word. That's a different show. And then we already talked about the hotel bars. Hotel bars, it's a bad idea. And then, you know, if you're a crack hoe or a street prostitute, street walker, look, you're first of all, you're probably not listening to this show. I don't think podcasts and radio shows are really on your radar when you're out there trying to get enough $5 old fashions to, you know, pay for your habit for that day. But the arrest uh, exposure for that particular bottom of the barrel subclass of prostitutes is immense and they get busted all the time. And like I said, I've represented them and you know, there's, there's always a weave involved. Like I said, either someone's stealing one, someone's ripping one off someone else's head or I don't know. I, maybe weaves just lead to prostitution. Maybe leaves, do they lead to crime? I, I don't know. I don't have one. Um, if you look at my picture on the website, that long hair is real. So, you want to be a hoe, and now you've figured out how to be a hoe, and you've figured out how to get clients through these internet services. Uh, Backpage, which was full of cops, is gone. They were sued out of existence. Or you're getting them from your massage business, or you're getting them from the club where you strip, or you're getting them off referrals, or you're going to these parties because one of your friends is an escort and she wants to get you into the business. But now you have clients. What to expect? This ain't pretty woman, unless it is. And and, and that's that's where I get back to some of the women I represented telling me about guys that you know gave them substantial amounts of money just to hang around. And they might have to have sex with them every once in a while, but rarely. And I used to go to these parties. It wasn't like a swingers party where people are ripping their clothes off or anything. I mean, these were sophisticated event level parties. So while I was at the party, I got to see the clients of my clients. And most of them were how do we say this? Appearance challenged. Most of the guys were very, very appearance challenged. They were not financially challenged at all. If you're blowing between three and $7,000 a week on a prostitute, an escort, whatever you want to call it, you've obviously got some money, but they weren't the kind of dudes that were going to go out to, uh, a show or a bar or a club and pull a seven up, you know, or a dime. I hate using that word, a 10, a nine, an eight, a four. These are guys that couldn't get laid in the women's prison with a pocket full of pardons. And hey, dudes, the ones that I know, if you're listening to this, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that other guy. So at some point, you're going to have to have a lot of sex with a lot of people you aren't attracted to. If you can get past that, hey, the world is yours, as Tony Montana also said. This is a Scarface quote episode. So this ain't pretty woman unless it is. And the unless it is part is where, yeah, you might only have to screw that old guy every three months to get, you know, 
your rent and your car payment paid. You may not have a car payment. I had uh, one client who got a birthday present. It was a brand new G-Wagon Mercedes AMG 63, which made me totally jealous because at the time I was wanting one of those. So there's sex involved. And it's usually sex with people that you probably wouldn't want to have sex with. It's kind of like nudists. You go, if you've never been to a, a, a nude beach and you're young and ignorant and you think, oh, wow, I'm going to see all these great-looking naked people and you find out that most nudists are people that you don't ever want to see naked. Same thing with swingers. Most swingers are people you don't want to have sex with. Not saying all of them, my three swinger listeners, I'm sure there's more, but those are the ones that emailed me after the Swinging Swingers episode a few months ago. Um, You guys are gorgeous. You're beautiful people. Everybody would want to have sex with you. I'm talking about all those other swingers who are nasty. Another problem is that um, my theoretical, hypothetical, and purely made-up clients used to complain and bitch about all the time is businessmen on crack. And, you know, I would never think, and I've... I've been a lawyer for a long time, so I, I've i known a lot of wealthy, you know, flashy partier-type dudes, and uh, a lot of them were, I consider, friends, but I don't recall them smoking crack, and maybe they just didn't do it around me, but it seems like I was always hearing about stockbrokers and doctors and lawyers and stockbrokers and stockbrokers and a lot of stockbrokers being just gacked on crack by the time the girl or girls would get to the hotel room and then they would either get violent or they wouldn't want to do anything and they never knew what they were going to get when they got there and the crack seemed to lead to extreme kinkiness and a lot of violence and then there's all the other drugs there um, pretty much every drug you can come up with there would would be there would, would be at the at the room and usually these guys would pack up you know there'd be like four or five of them you know let's all pitch in a couple thousand dollars and we'll get two girls for like four or five or six guys and the theoretical women that I've represented hated this but you know a week later they might be traveling around the world on some rich dude's yacht and it was just him and maybe his friend or his girlfriend and they'd get a hundred grand for it. So they kind of put up with the good, with the bad to get more of the good. And, you know, like I said, the income levels were high six, low seven figures, which is a lot of money. It's kind of one of those situations. If you have no education and you really don't have anything else to do and you're reasonably good looking and you have no morals or you are able to put your morals on hold, you might want to learn how to. Hello. Are you a female high school dropout between the ages of 16 and 25? Are you tired of dogs being slammed in your face when you apply for a job? Are you tired of lying around in bed all day with nothing to do? Well, you never need get up again because in six short weeks, I can train you to be a high-paying hoe. That's right. It's a known fact that a good hoe can make up to $1,500 a week. Just think, $1,500 a week without even leaving the comforts of your own bedroom. (laughs) Sound too good to be true? Just sit for my new book entitled, I Wanna Be a Hoe. Now, in spite of what the always hilarious Eddie Murphy as Velvet Jones once said, 
you got to adjust that $1,500 a week for inflation because the women that I'm talking about were getting paid a hell of a lot more than that. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that's Velvet Jones, and I just had to throw that in there because I love it. That's about all we have on today's show on how to be a hoe and get away with it. Have an evil day.